Welcome to the Panic Attack Recovery Podcast, an ongoing source of practical strategies and tips for anxiety and ADHD. We're a collaboration of former sufferers helping those currently struggling with anxiety, panic attacks, and ADHD so they can express their true competencies in life. Now, here is Matthew, your host. Hi, it's Matthew from PanicAttackRecovery.com. Thank you for joining me for another podcast. Today, I would like to pick up on a previous podcast that um, I did quite some time ago. It was called Using Neurology to Help Anxiety and Panic. I won't repeat everything that I said in that podcast. I would encourage you to listen if you have not heard this podcast. But what I'd like to pick up on is the message of creating a habit and understanding the neurology of establishing a new habit. One of the points in that podcast was that by repeating a new behavior over a period of time, one can replace old habits with new habits. And we discuss the neurology of why that's the case. But the primary point that I want to discuss from that podcast is that the notion was that you could replace an unwanted habit with a new behavior by repeating the new behavior long enough so that you ingrain a new habit that essentially replaces the old habit. While the research I discussed in this podcast I think is very true and very valid, I think that many people feel that it's not possible to achieve a change in habit or to establish a new habit because they become discouraged very easily. What I'd really like to do is I'd like to spend some time providing some suggestions on how you can further establish a new habit by building on the principle that I shared in the previous podcast, but using some suggestions and really support the new behavior you're trying to learn. So what I would encourage everyone to do, and I I know that others in the panic attack recovery community have learned new habits, whether they are anxious or they have ADHD or panic attacks or agoraphobia. And we've certainly had uh, a number of individuals contact us over the years and, and provide feedback. And many people have learned new behaviors and habits over time. And that's why I wanted to share some of those strategies that have worked for others with you today. One of the strategies, of course, is that if you're trying to replace a habit, whether it be smoking or consuming unhealthy food or whatever, you have to find a healthy replacement and something that gives you some sense of enjoyment in order to really have something that's an alternative to the habit. For instance, if you're someone who is smoking, you may find other things that you can do to replace the behavior. You know, many people who have smoked for many years take up something like jogging or walking or regular exercise. And the point is they establish a new routine of exercise on a regular basis that provides them with an outlet to do something with themselves, their body. Maybe they can work on breathing if they're doing aerobic exercises, or maybe they even do breathing exercises throughout the day to replace the habit of smoking. But we're not here to suggest a particular strategy for you to use, but to suggest the principle that you need to find a replacement for the behavior you're trying to uh, eliminate. The next strategy that has worked effectively, or the next tip, I should say, that has worked effectively for people is to use something like hypnosis, something that ingrains the new habit in your mind at a deeper level. Now, whether you want to call it the subconscious mind, the unconscious mind, it doesn't matter. The point is that with hypnosis or something as simple as affirmations, 
you can ingrain uh, at a subconscious level the new behavior you would like to carry out. So using the smoking example, because it's an easy one to use, many people will go and get clinical hypnosis to help them quit smoking. Or people, when they're trying to learn a new behavior or they set a goal, will often use affirmations to repeat suggestions to themselves, really to their subconscious mind, so that they can ingrain at that level perhaps the motivation and to really help ingrain the new behavior. Now, the trick here is to realize that these are really adjuncts to the original idea that we discussed in the initial podcast, which is you need to regularly repeat the new behavior that is going to replace the old behavior. So going back again to the smoking example, and I'm sorry to be repetitive, but I do think it's important to be consistent here or to continue with the same example so that it comes together better. With someone who's smoking, they obviously need a replacement habit for smoking, as I said, exercising or breathing or whatever, but they would support it through the use of things like clinical hypnosis and or affirmations that they say to themselves regularly. And these things can really work together what we're suggesting is using whatever works for you in a combination. And really, that's a lot like what we've always discussed in our newsletter for anxiety and ADHD when we discuss a holistic approach. When I discuss a holistic approach, I'm not talking about something that's far out there. I'm simply talking about using an all-encompassing approach that looks at things from various perspectives, sort of a psychosocial biological model that looks at the biology looks at the physiology, looks at the psychology, looks at the environment. So an all-encompassing approach looks at using various strategies to help support anxiety and ADHD recovery, but you can do the same things when you're trying to replace an old habit. Or perhaps you're just wanting to set a new habit to be more productive, to be more creative, whatever the case may be. But rather than seeing hypnosis or affirmations or even repeating the new behavior in opposition to each other, start to look at these things as coming together holistically as part of an overall approach to learn a new habit. Another strategy that works quite well, especially when you're trying to establish a new habit, is to have a way to talk back to the thoughts that will arise when you're carrying out a new behavior. Because what's bound to happen is you're bound to get frustrated at some point and start talking to yourself in ways that might discourage you. So, for example, you might say, this isn't really going to work. I'm running out of motivation. I don't think I can maintain this. I've been doing this new behavior for a while, but I just don't think I'm going to keep motivated to do it. I think I'm just going to go back to my old behavior. Or maybe you tempt yourself and you say, well, maybe I can just do a little bit of that old behavior. Maybe I can just smoke one cigarette a day. Or maybe I can just smoke once in a while. Or someone who's given up drinking. Often people will say that they'll tempt themselves and say, well, you know what? I think I can probably handle it now. I'm probably okay. It just takes willpower. That's it. I'll be able to drink moderately now. Whatever the case may be, the point that I'm trying to make is that when you think about the power of a habit, a habit is really ingrained in someone. It really runs on autopilot. So you're up against a very significant force, so to speak, when you're trying to replace it with a new habit. It obviously is going to take some effort to establish a new habit. By all means, it is very much worth it. And you've decided that earlier, but you're going to get discouraged. So you need a way to talk back to yourself when these feelings arise. One of the best ways that I've always found for people, and I've shared with people with anxiety and ADHD, 
is to use cognitive behavioral therapy to talk back to those thoughts that come up. To identify cognitive distortions. We've done a number of videos and podcasts on this subject matter, and you can get a ton of articles from our website. So you can certainly look at the process in detail. But in short, the idea is when thoughts come up, you need to identify the distortions and come up with healthier alternative beliefs. So let's take an example. Well, let's go back to smoking again. You're telling yourself at one point after you've stopped smoking for a while that, hey, I can probably handle having uh, the odd cigarette or the odd cigar, whatever the case may be, whatever you smoke. And I can just exercise willpower and I'll just do it once in a while. Now, you have to recognize this thinking and these thoughts when they come up so that you can challenge them. You can look up the various cognitive distortions to determine, in your opinion, what the distortion is. What I think is more important is coming up with alternative thoughts that are healthier. But here's the distortion that I would pick out. I would actually say that it's a form of fortune telling where you're predicting the future based on a feeling that you have or based on a thought that you have. In other words, you're predicting you'll be able to exercise willpower with your smoking, but really you're overlooking the fact that maybe you've smoked for many years for a long time, and it isn't going to be that easy to simply stop smoking and just do it once in a while if you pick up the habit again. So I would say it's a form of fortune telling in that you're saying that you'll be able to handle it, you'll be able to exercise moderation with your smoking or whatever the behavior is. So what I would actually encourage you to consider is now an alternative thought to the original thought that you had that you could handle moderation. And I think it's to tell yourself the following. I can't be certain that I'll be able to exercise willpower because it was a very powerful habit that I had of, of smoking. I've done it for many years. One thing I can be very sure of is that I did smoke for a long time. But what I can't be so sure of is that I wouldn't fall back into that trap if I did it again. So that's kind of a way to talk back to the thought, but I wouldn't stop there. I'd come up with an alternative activity now. So you know what, if I don't fall back to smoking, then I will give myself a treat, whatever that the case may be, but it should be a, a reasonable treat that really does reward you. You're rewarding yourself for not smoking or repeating the behavior again and falling into that trap. Now, what I think is really exciting about this whole concept is that you're, not, you're only limited by your imagination when it comes to all of the techniques and strategies that you can use to replace an old behavior with a new habit. The key is to persist long enough in the new behavior so that it really does replace your old behavior. All of these supportive suggestions that I've discussed in this podcast and all of those supportive strategies that you can think of are very important because they help you maintain the new behavior longer. Technically, if you could maintain the new behavior long enough, you may not need to use a number of strategies, but I do think that it's much more likely if you have a variety of tools that you can refer to and support yourself along the way when you're trying to establish a new habit. What I'd also like to suggest to you is you shouldn't get discouraged. It's simple in the sense that the concept of replacing an old habit with a new habit is simple and the research is sound, but it's much more difficult than one might think. But that doesn't mean you should be discouraged and shouldn't do it. It means that you must be realistic. You must realistically look at a new behavior to replace the old behavior. You must look at ways to support yourself. As I said, for example, having a way to talk back to those thoughts, a form of therapy you can do on yourself, like CBT. You could even do a modification of CBT or, or use another approach that helps you work on your thoughts when you get tempted to 
repeat the old behavior, or fooling yourself into thinking you can do it in moderation now. But also what's really helpful is having something that does speak to your subconscious mind. Now, whatever you want to call it, the subconscious is not something that everyone agrees is the same thing, but I think mostly everyone agrees that we have behaviors and we have things that happen automatically. We breathe without thinking, we blink without thinking, our heart keeps beating, our blood keeps circulating. Of course, there's biology related to this, but there's also neurology related to these functions, your nervous system. The point I'm trying to make is where we all agree, I think, is that there are processes that are automated in your body, in your mind. And if you can speak to those processes, you have a better chance of learning a new behavior, supporting the new behavior with affirmations or with hypnosis, whatever the case may be. So the way that I think about it is think about your conscious behaviors, how you consciously do a number of new healthy behaviors to replace the old habit. But then think of things that run more on autopilot that you can influence as well through hypnosis or through affirmations. And there are many techniques you can use. Wouldn't you want to have both things in alignment so that they support your new behavior? And that's all I'm saying. There's nothing mystical about this, but it can be very powerful when you have both aspects of your mind in the sense of a conscious mind and an unconscious mind working together or your subconscious mind working together to support a new habit. So my final suggestion that I would like to talk about in this podcast would be to really spend some time on your own after this podcast brainstorming a number of ways that you can use for yourself to learn a new habit. Think of the supporting strategies you can use to help support your behavior in learning the new habit and dealing with the challenges that will come up so that you can be realistic but learn the new habit. And the final thing that I would like to point out is you have to think about how powerful the original habit was. Think about how long you've been doing it for. So it's going to take a while for you to replace the old habit, but don't be discouraged. By considering the additional suggestions in this podcast, I think that you can help to sustain your motivation in order to stay the course and repeat the new behavior long enough so that it becomes ingrained. So I would like to encourage you to give these suggestions a try, to spend some time in them, and I look forward to connecting with you in our next podcast. Thank you for listening to the Panic Attack Recovery Podcast. Make sure that you have subscribed to our podcast and please comment and rate us on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. All show notes and links are accessible from our website. Please visit our site and subscribe to our free newsletter at panicattackrecovery.com. All information has been provided for educational purposes. Please consult a healthcare professional about any disorder or condition and the applicability of any information provided in this podcast.